Now we're recording. Okay. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Hello. How you doing, Megan? <clears throat> it's smoky as fuck yes. outside. It's the apocalypse so for I real. Sound like I smoke a pack a day for the last twenty years. I had to take my contacts out because they were blurry as fuck. I, I started <clears throat> doing this on a conference call today, and I'm pretty sure people were wondering if I had the coronavirus or what. <laughs> What was wrong with me? So for the first half of the year, I had terrible allergies because the allergens here in Washington were fucking ridiculous. And so I was scared to sneeze or cough anywhere, but it was just allergies. And now it's smoke. Right. right. Yeah. And for those of you who are not up to speed, we have such bad smoke from these terrible fires all around us that are so sad. It's pretty much created a situation where we have some of the worst air quality in the world right now. In the world. So we're like stuck inside even more than we were before. And coronavirus, you want to not be stuck inside. You want to go outside so that you can actually do things. And now we can't do that. Okay. Well, I think the pity party's over. Fine. (laughs) The therapy session is closed. I already had therapy today. Um, Michelle and I have been talking lately about relationships. I know everyone is shocked by that. (laughs) But we actually kind of sketched it out the other day. Like, what does the relationship spectrum look like to us? The continuum. These are our opinions only. (laughs) We're going to go through these steps and some other interesting anecdotal things about relationships and long-term commitments that we found that we thought would be fun to share. Mm -hmm. And possibly a few personal experiences along the way. (laughs) Always. The ones that we can share. There's a lot we don't share with you guys. Yeah, you guys probably think we tell you everything because, holy shit, do we have some stories. But trust me, there's a lot that you don't hear. Some things we can't say. Right. Okay, so where do we start? Of course, with the one night stand. Absolutely. You're not in a relationship. No, I'm not. Not you. Oh, sorry. Theoretically, the discussion of the relationship spectrum has begun. Okay. Okay. You're not in a relationship. (laughs) You're not committed to anybody out and about. You meet some fine fella or foxy lady. (laughs) Or somewhere in between. It sounds good already. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It just might happen that somehow you guys end up together that evening. But not everybody can do a one night stand. No, certainly not. A lot of people are like, eh, it's not for me. Like, I can't get comfortable. I am just not into it. I get that. There's good reasons. I mean, if you don't know someone and you sleep with them, it can be a little awkward, right? Certainly. Yeah. And the first time you have sex with someone, never going to be the best time. Because you don't know that person and they don't know you and you don't know each other's bodies. And how can you possibly be the best ever when you haven't spent time getting well, to know that It might person. be like hot, you know, sure. like hot sex. But if you continued seeing that person, it would probably get better. Probably. So, but that's not a one night stand then. Well, right. <laughs> so let's move on to the next step. <laughs> What's next on that continuum? Friends with benefits. Mm-hmm. The dangerous thing about friends with benefits is that everyone has to understand that that's what that is. Right. There has I, to be a clear definition of the relationship. Are, yeah, I think there are a lot of scenarios in which that is not a balanced relationship. Like there are probably a lot of people that are in that sort of scenario where one of them thinks this is what I'm doing. It's just FWB. And the other one's like, either they like me or they're going to like me. I can get them to like me if this just continues long enough, right? True, true. Or it could be like they've both agreed up front to what it is, 
But then someone's catching feelings. Which absolutely can happen. Yeah. To be like a truly successful friend with benefit relationship. If it stands the test of time and you're still willing and able to comfortably hook up with that person, even if the two of you are kind of in and out of other relationships, then that's definitely a friends with benefits situation. Yeah. When that's happened in my life, it's been that exact thing. Like it's it's someone that I'm comfortable with, that I'm close to, that that part of the relationship hasn't meant that it needs to be more and if I'm in a significant committed relationship then that's off like that doesn't happen and then if that other relationship ends which clearly they all have thus far Mm -hmm. then maybe that's back on the table at least for the time being yeah I mean same with me like and some people are very good about laying it out up front like I just went out with a guy the other day you know we had a good time it was a really good date actually it was really fun I asked him about his last serious relationship he basically said he's happy with his life where it is right now He doesn't really want to pursue a relationship right now. But if we want to keep seeing each other just to hook up, then he's He's down with that. that. (laughs) And I mean, I've had people ask me that like right out of the gate on dating apps before. Like before you even meet. Yeah. And I'm like, Mm -mm. come on, man. At least put in a little work. Wait, just the other day you had that, right? Yes. Did, yes. What did he say? He was like, so any interest in just hooking up? Like, yeah. I'm looking for a fuck buddy, basically. Yeah. Let me see if I still have that message. Okay. Yeah, I think he that. unmatched with me. So you don't still have that message because he unmatched with you because he couldn't handle the conversation because you said no. I'm Maybe. assuming. We talked about some other things that I was like, eh, not cool with some of his other personal choices. Right. Involving his lifestyle, his kids. And his stuff parenting like choices. Yeah. Yeah always a sticking point for me but Mm -hmm. um anyway it's not like I've never done that before but like I haven't even met you man like can we at least go on a date and see how we vibe and what the chemistry is like before we you know define what this is Mm -hmm. like I'm not gonna say hello to you on a dating app and be like sure let's fuck randomly whenever (laughs) you at least gotta put in a little groundwork put in a little more work than that buddy it's delicate But there are ways that you can work out those kinds of arrangements. Yeah, I did happen to find an article on (laughs) lovepanky.com. Wow, that sounds real legit. Really love it a lot. (laughs) But it, it was 25 rules for, what did it say? 25 friends with benefits rules to remember. 25? The whole thing about friends with benefits is supposed to be, like, not complicated. I agree. This this article is beyond. But number one rule is don't fall in love. I agree with that. Have emotional maturity. Don't get clingy for attention. Ugh. Right? Oh. Just shuddered. Mm-hmm. One of them says keep it a secret. I guess that depends on the situation. Depends on who it is. Here, I like this one. Don't sleep with two friends from the same group. Hmm. Ah. Okay. Don't go on a date. Mm, I've broken that one for sure. Stretches. Don't go on a date with your friend with benefits? Apparently. Okay. Because they don't want you to catch feelings. Right. Refer to rule one. <laughs> Always refer back to rule number one. <laughs> Everything takes you back to rule number one. Avoid sleeping with a good friend. Whoops. <laughs> I guess those are some good rules of the road. Honestly, the first one is the most important. Don't fall in love. Don't yeah. fall in love. I think that they tried to make that a little overly complicated. And, you know, all of this is complicated. Sex is complicated. Relationships are complicated. But you don't need to, you know, add fuel to the fire. Okay, what's the next one on our spectrum here? Casual dating. Casual dating. What does casual dating mean? Does it mean that you are dating and also having sex? Does it mean that you're just dating and not having sex? Well, Megan, as it turns out, there are no fucking rules. (laughs) So, honestly, the word casual means nothing. It can mean something 
very different to you than it could mean to the person that you are casually dating, which is why the only way any of that works is to have a fucking conversation about what it is that you're doing and what you're looking for. Well, so it's just vague by nature. This brings us to our dispute in the spectrum. I added a category that Michelle doesn't like. I disagree with this I category. believe it's an actual category. Michelle is. does not. It probably is for a lot of people. <laughs> the category is not casual, but not exclusive. Mm-hmm. To me, this means that you've gone on several dates. You know the person pretty well. So you're dating, but you haven't had the discussion about being exclusive. The problem with that is if you're in that situation, I'm never sure if it's okay to date or hook up with someone else in that situation. Like if you've never had the conversation, like we're exclusive, Mm -hmm. we're not seeing anyone else. And then you go like have drinks with someone. You're not cheating. No. So why do you think this is not a category? For that exact reason. Because for me... If I am into somebody enough that I would be questioning whether it's okay for me to be talking to somebody else, or I would feel some kind of way if they were talking to somebody else, then chances are good that I've already broached that subject with them. Because that that just means that you need to have the exclusivity conversation. No, that's what I'm saying is that I would have already had that conversation. So you're saying you're either going to be casual or exclusive. There's no like in between for you. For me personally, the only in between is that maybe I will decide I want to focus my energy on this person to see if I want it to continue and be exclusive. But honestly, that period probably you know, it's not months long. It's fuzzy. There's another rung on my ladder for sure here. (laughs) Well, there's a few more rungs on your ladder than mine. (laughs) Well, this is the only one we've identified though. In this context, yes. Okay. Well, interesting. Okay. So we might as well make the hop then to the next category, which is exclusive. Mm Mm-hmm. I think about this as like when you're freshly exclusive, it's like you're still in the honeymoon phase because every step in the relationship is exciting. So if you've just decided, okay, we're going to be exclusive. It's like so exciting. Now I have a boyfriend or now I have a girlfriend or now I'm like officially in an exclusive relationship. Yeah. You can change that Facebook status. That's right. It's a big (laughs) fucking deal. At least that's what I hear. When you freshly make that decision, it is pretty exciting still because there's a reason you've reached that point Mm -hmm. in your relationship. So the next category, we've got long-term exclusive and or cohabitating. One doesn't necessarily happen before the other. No, everybody's different with that stuff. Like a lot of people won't necessarily live together even before they get married, which frankly, guys, if you're thinking you're going down that road, I would suggest you reconsider because... Take it for a test drive. Yeah. What if they fucking leave dishes on the floor in the living room? What if their pants are everywhere? What if (laughs) they don't flush the toilet? What if... You just don't know. You don't know. I feel like there's like some PTSD coming out. My ex did none of those things. Those were extreme examples. (laughs) I found his... I did find his pants in places. That's true. But he did flush the toilet. He even put the seat down and he never once left dishes on the living room floor. Maybe on the table. This is definitely a make or break step, I think. Like, yeah, because the newness has worn off, 
you've been exclusive for a while and it's like you're really gonna be in it or you're gonna get bored and the things that were like cute about the person in the beginning start to become annoying especially if you move in together right yeah I was just thinking about our our friend Justine that was on here with us talking about her second marriage and when um, Isaac moved in with her Mm -hmm. and how that was a big struggle for them adjusting to that because it's a big step I already know that would be hard for me yeah because I haven't lived with a partner in almost 10 years so yes even when I have a boyfriend that wants to like stay over all the time I'm like but you just stayed over last night I'm like (laughs) go away I feel like you'd be way more okay with me doing that than a boyfriend (laughs) I mean I basically live here anyway probably (laughs) you're easier (laughs) true I am easier Okay. And then again, another do you need it, do you not step, the engagement, right? Which is a very important step for some, not so much for others. Mm -hmm. Some people, they don't even want to get married, right? right? Or they just want to have like a life partner. It's probably a bigger deal for first marriages. Yeah. And again, that's just like the excitement of right. the next big step and the celebration. Yeah, and we've both been there. Like we know what that is. That's a real thing. Right. Yeah. But not everybody goes down that same path. Everyone's fucking different. Right. Okay. So final step on the continuum would be marriage or choosing to be like a life partner with somebody. Mm-hmm. That's obviously the ultimate commitment until it's not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's where you really have to decide that you're going to stick with it. You're in it for the long haul with this person. You want to create a life and a family with them. But my question is, how often does the monotony of the day-to-day interfere with all the fuzzy love stuff? The fuzzy love stuff or the sex stuff? Probably just the sex. That's what you're (laughs) talking about. I figured that's what you're talking about. Interestingly enough, I have looked up some statistics on that. It's so weird. But... Before we go down that road, I do want to acknowledge that we are kind of looking at this from our own perspective, which is a more monogamous perspective. And we recognize that there are a lot of relationships out there that don't fit into that box in particular. For example, the thruple. The thruple. (laughs) Tell everyone what a thruple is. I mean, it's just what it sounds like. It's a couple, but there are three. It's a thruple. Are there any Um, particular rules? Oh, that is completely up to the thruple. Okay. Everybody has their own rules. Basically, we recognize that there is an entire subset of people who kind of adhere to more non-monogamous lifestyle. And we will definitely talk about that at a later date um, and expand on those things more. But I don't want to make it sound... You don't want it to seem like we're so narrowly focused that we don't understand like thruples, polyamory, you know, even people that are asexual. Sure. There's still a process for them and dating and finding a partner. And so... Right. We are currently speaking to something that we have more experience with, but we recognize that those are also completely valid and common life choices. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Okay. So... Is it normal to have less sex after you're married? And I'm also curious, because you did this research, Mm -hmm. is there pressure to have sex a certain amount? Hmm. I don't know about the pressure part, but I will say, yes, it is common to have less sex once you're married, certainly when you're older. I would like to cite that I found a good housekeeping article from 2016 that really surprised me because I expected it to be super vanilla. Yeah, good housekeeping. Right, but it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, it's called 10 Surprising Realities About Married Sex. And off the top, they said most married couples have sex five times per month, which is about 
well, 58 to 68 times per year from the couple different studies that they looked at, one of which was from Newsweek, the other one I don't know. Okay. Another little note there was that married couples under 30 have sex average of 111 times per year, so nearly double. Yeah. So this must be a it's number. not surprising. Right. This 50, 58 to 68 per year must encompass kind of all age groups, right? 40% of married people said that they have sex three to four times per week. Really? That surprises me. I think that might be a little high, honestly. Well, that's what I would have expected. You would have expected that it was a lower number than that. Right. Um, and 7.5% say they have sex daily. That would be you. <laughs> I was about to say bullshit, but then I was like, mm, well, that's you. Someone's <laughs> married, I maybe. Mean, 50% of the people in this room would, would do it every day. So, <laughs> so if you're married... And you're sleeping with somebody else's spouse. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm talking about, hmm. you know, you know what I'm talking about. We have some people in our lives that we know. There's two couples, both heterosexual couples. The wife of one couple and the husband of the other couple hooked up. They didn't just hook and up. They had like a full-blown affair. And longtime friends, like the three couples. Right, like childhood friends, friends some of yeah. them. This wasn't a situation where they were swinging or, you know, the couples had approval Mm -hmm. to proceed. It was definitely a betrayal. And given how long these guys had known each other and how much time their family spent together and how close their kids were, it was devastating. Yeah. They're all still married, Mm -hmm. but it's been a rough road from what I understand. And, you know, COVID is like, that'll make you <laughs> yeah. or break you because you're spending a lot of time together. But um, I don't know what the sexual health of their marriages were before that happened. But I would guess that they'd been married for a long time. They knew each other for a long time. They had opportunities to do this for years if they wanted to. I don't know why they did it now. I'm guessing that it was maybe some kind of emotional desire mm-hmm. that evolved into something else. So... There are definitely people in this world that you can't quite explain your connection to. I get that. But sure. man, do you need to have some boundaries in that situation. Well, yeah, especially, I mean, how close they all were. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then there's other friends in the circle that are in the middle now. Right. It's just awful. Ugh. And it's not really something that you can rectify. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I would get past that. I have a question speaking of like cheating or infidelity. If you're in an exclusive relationship, let's say like a heterosexual and you casually or like playfully mess around with or hook up with a same sex friend, let's say for example, like a guy and a girl are in an exclusive relationship and they're at a party one night and they're really drunk and the girl ends up kissing and messing around with her girlfriend because Mm -hmm. they're like being silly or they are attracted to each other something happens would you still consider that infidelity in the relationship i would say that anything that doesn't have that prior approval Uh is infidelity doesn't matter who it is so let's say that the two girls were kissing and messing around, but the husbands were right there or the boyfriends. Sure. And they were like laughing because everyone was drunk. Would you consider that approval? Yeah. If they're involved in the scenario, if they're there and they're not upset uh-huh. at the moment, then I don't think it would be fair for them to get upset later. 
Okay, so I'm asking because I kind of think that sometimes in like a heterosexual relationship, the thought of like cheating or infidelity always includes a woman cheating on her husband with another man Mm -hmm. or a man cheating on his wife with another woman. But if there's some kind of like exploration with somebody of the same gender, especially if it doesn't go all the way to sex, people would maybe not consider that cheating and I'm not saying I agree or disagree I just Mm -hmm. it's something I've seen before that I think that there's a dichotomy between the genders here I think that more often a man would like the idea of two women hooking up it's like a fantasy right Right. and so maybe be more okay with it and I'm completely talking out of my ass right now I don't think you're talking out of your ass. Well, I'm, I'm just saying I don't have any experience with this. Like, but even just like pop culture, you know, like right. look at movies and songs and right. our own experiences, you know, with men, like look at porn. <laughs> men right. love the idea of right. two women hooking up in large part. Yes. Thank I don't know mind. any men who wouldn't well, appreciate two women kissing if they weren't attracted to That's the thing, is that there's a difference between the kind of voyeuristic I get to watch something happen and that's my girlfriend or my wife mm-hmm. intimately involved with someone else, no matter who it is. And I will say that I've had this conversation with boyfriends in the past and they've expressed that it would feel like cheating to them because it is an intimate interaction with another person. See, that's the key word though, intimate. If they define it as intimate, then... What I'm saying is like, I think there is a difference in some people's minds with like being playful and silly and drunk and kissing and messing around than having an emotionally intimate connection with somebody and pursuing a physical relationship or experience, even if it's just one time, because of that. So I could see where people would say, okay, well... She was drunk and she was messing around and she kissed her girlfriend and they were cracking up and who cares? You know, they were just being silly. But if you turn the tables and now Mm -hmm. make that girlfriend a male friend, then people would be like, ooh, you kissed another guy. You know what I mean? Like, I've had conversations with people about this before and people seem to be of different minds. So, Well, yeah, and I think that part of what I was saying earlier about the dichotomy is that I think take that couple, they're at a party and the guy is kissing a friend of his and what's the connotation there because that is going to hit a lot of people really different than if two girls are hooking up at a party which is not fair but true completely unfair and i think there are two things at play here number one if you are someone who is maybe more okay with that one night stand like we were talking about like some people can't go there Mm -hmm. because they feel like um, sex is more tied to emotional intimacy maybe than other people do Mm -hmm. because it you know a lot of people really can't separate it and great fine and if you can't also great like whatever it is that you do that's fine for you But I bet that the people who can't have that one night stand and don't disconnect the sex from the emotional would have a harder time at that party watching something like that happen Mm -hmm. than the other side. But also people with a very binary sense of sexuality might really make that distinction between it's okay if two girls do it, but not okay if two guys do it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, there's a lot at play there. I just think it's an interesting thing to discuss. Totally. Because it kind of makes you consider your own All those comfort. times you made out with your friends at parties. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> your comfort threshold and your biases. 
So we just realized there's been a fan running this entire time. Fuck. And we just turned it off. Sorry, guys. Sorry. There's no fucking way we're starting over now, though. Sorry. No, no, there's too much gold in this already. (laughs) Hopefully this will be better listening quality for you. Anyway, where the fuck were we? What else did you get from that good housekeeping Well, article? hang on, really quick. I just want to kind of maybe put a bow on that with the idea that whatever is agreed upon is what is okay, right? In any relationship, because they're all going to be different. If you are comfortable with your partner hooking up with someone else at a party, they hopefully know that about you, you should have talked about it. Like, if you're not, probably still should talk about it. There's There are so many different, quote, rules is that from the Good Housekeeping article? Because no. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I'm just saying that, yes, of course that makes sense. Everything should be agreed upon and there should be communication. But I also know like in the real world, shit just happens. And sure. then you have to... Also in the real world, people's communication is shit. Yeah. That's the thing. That's Everybody true. needs to work on that. It's true. Or so... somebody's trying to say something and there's a fan running in the background oh, and you can't really sorry, understand. Guys. <laughs> okay. So in this Good Housekeeping article, by the way, there was a statistic that said 17% of Americans have had an extramarital affair, which do you believe that number? I think it's too low. I think it's too low. I wouldn't be surprised if it was too low because who's going to admit to having an extramarital affair? Well, it's an anonymous fucking uh, survey or whatever. I still think it's like the shame game, you know, people still are like, I'm just going to say never. Interesting you should say that because 17% of Americans have had that extramarital affair Though, according to Gallup, 90% of Americans consider it wrong. Well, who considers it right? Well, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if you're somebody who's done it, I mean, there's probably a lot of shame around that for some people. And so they would also still consider it wrong. I get that. But I think that speaks to what you were just saying, that more people have done it than will admit to it. Sure. Okay, moving along. 80% of women say that they have sex to get their husband to help with housework. (laughs) Now, it doesn't say they have sex only for that reason. Right. It's not every time. not necessarily it's kind of the opposite of happy wife happy life yeah (laughs) well happy husband gets some shit done (laughs) which leads to happy wife okay but it does say also that sharing chores is the third highest factor in successful marriages everyone please take note do your share around the house because if you feel like you're carrying everything there's going to be resentment there's going to be fatigue right oh yeah i mean you're gonna be like irritable and tired and the last thing you want to do is look at this person who you feel like hasn't done shit to help you out and be like honey would you like a blowjob yeah fuck your blowjob <laughs> i mean no don't fuck your blowjob wait what wait what's happening you don't know <laughs> okay also married women are twice as likely to orgasm really yeah i believe that how come I think that goes back to the whole one night stand, first time's not the best time thing. Like for me. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. For me, like the more I get to know somebody, the better acquainted we are with each other and Mm -hmm. you get to know each other's bodies that way. Like it's going to be better. You're going to be able to please each other. And probably when you're more comfortable with somebody, you're willing to. Yeah. You're more comfortable saying, this is what I want you to do. This is what I like. And relaxing a little bit. Like, yeah, that makes sense. So I buy that. Um, let's see. 12% of all married people haven't had sex for at least three months. I believe that. I absolutely believe that. And so they say, quote, whoever they is, says that if you have sex 10 or fewer times per year, you are in what is considered a sexless marriage. So less than once a month, basically. Okay. It's a sexless marriage. 
because that's not really enough to meet that need for most people, certainly. Obviously, age plays a factor, though. Um, Like, sex once a month when you're 40 is different than sex once a month when you're 65, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And sex once a month when you're 30 is... Not even close to it. Nowhere near enough. Obviously, this is not to say that everyone has to have sex more than that or less than that or whatever, because everybody's different. But generally speaking, a sexual relationship is a necessary part of a healthy marriage. And for most people, it would mean more than that. If you have two asexual people that come together, that's fucking great. And their needs are going to match each other or closer to and wonderful, right? But for the most part, That's not the case. That article said if you are living together and having sex that little, then you're basically just bickering roommates. (laughs) Yeah, at best, you're just best friends. And at worst, you're just bickering roommates. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, a couple other little tidbits I'll throw at you, and then we can move on here. So apparently one third of couples are interested in BDSM and bondage. Get it, guys. One third of married couples? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And more than one third of currently married women, again, this is 2016, have tried anal. And uh, lastly here, 83% of married people had premarital sex with their spouse, which, okay, good, you should, because what if it's terrible? (laughs) Test drive. Yeah, try before you buy, guys. And then a little side note to that was that women with exactly two sex partners have higher divorce rates than those with three to nine partners. Also, I resent just a little bit that it stopped at nine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is a good housekeeping article. Well, that's true. Keep it classy. We got to keep it in those single digits for the grandmas. Speaking of divorce, Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about prenups and postnups. Mainly prenups. Prenup is prenuptial agreement, Mm -hmm. and you sign it before the marriage, which is basically like if we don't, you know, stay together and this marriage doesn't work out and we split up. Let's say I had $5 million already, and you came in um, as the pauper that you are. Totally. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you just wanted my money. That's right. Then we could sign a prenup and I would be protected. Right. You could say like, well, if we get divorced, you don't get any of my $5 million. And if I sign right. it, then that's a powerful tool for you in divorce negotiations. Right. Postnup is, you know, an agreement that you would sign post-divorce. But I wanted to talk about some interesting prenuptial agreements First of all, I found this lovely article, and it was actually on a law firm's website. (laughs) And I think that they had this on here because part of what they do is help people prepare prenuptial agreements. It talks about some of the most famous prenuptial agreements between celebrities. And I was like, this is fascinating. I got it. So I'm going to read some of them to you. Yes, please. Okay, so first one. Jessica Biel and Justin Timberlake. Uh, It was revealed that one of the issues in the couple's prenuptial agreement was that if Justin ever cheated on her, he would have to give her $500,000. Whoa. Like, wait, each time he cheated? Is it like another (laughs) $500,000? It's not that specific. Oh, damn it. So I wonder what she got for him getting drunk holding hands with this co-star. Yeah. Also, who cheats on Jessica Biel? (laughs) I don't know. Have you seen that ass? Seriously. Okay. Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. (laughs) Their prenup says that in the event of a divorce, Kim gets to keep her wedding ring. That's probably like a million right there. Oh, at least. Along with all the other gifts Kanye has given her, plus she gets one million for every year she was married to him. Hmm. 
what happens if he becomes president? Oh, God. <laughs> I can't even think about that. I don't know, because I'm not going to live here anymore. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. In their prenup, it says Catherine gets $2.8 million for every year that she was married. And if Michael cheats on her, she's entitled to a $5 million bonus. I want her lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, maybe we just don't have all the information. And there's something in the other direction as well. But that really makes it seem like she's convinced he's going to leave. And so she better lock this shit down. Eh, I don't know if she's convinced. I mean... Also, who would fucking cheat on her? She's fucking gorgeous. I know, but, but a lot of this is probably lawyering. But, yeah. you know, hey, you got to protect yourself, right? I guess. This is an interesting one. Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan. The couple's prenup has a clause about quality time. Mm-hmm. So less focused on money, more on time. Priscilla asked for at least 100 minutes of alone time with Mark and one date night per week. Wait, 100 minutes of alone time per week and a date night? 100 minutes per week. Yes. That is less than two hours a week. Plus a date night. Plus a date night Uh, to have quality time with your husband. And I guess, yeah, he's really busy. But also it's weird to me that it's in a prenuptial agreement because it's like... She read the Love Languages book. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously there's other provisions we haven't seen. Okay, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, their prenuptial agreement said that she would receive $3 million per year of marriage in case of a divorce. Good. She fucking deserves it. a little less money going to Scientology there. Fuck that. Okay, the last one I'm going to say here, Beyonce and Jay-Z... Uh, their prenup says that whether they divorce or not, she gets $5 million for every baby she has. And they have three children together. Good job getting pregnant with twins, Beyonce. Wait, so like the divorce or not. So did she, she gives birth and like in the hospital, he's like, here's your push present. I was going to say, that's one hell of a push present. <laughs> but she had the twins. He was right. Like here's 10 million. a cold $10 million. And it's like a big check, like publisher's clearinghouse style or whatever the fuck that was. Yeah. Do you know maybe. what I'm talking about? You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm envisioning it. Right <laughs> it's a giant check and the price is right. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) You better write a hit song, Jay-Z. Seriously. She also gets, if they do get divorced, one million for every year of marriage. I'm fascinated by the whether they get divorced or not. I just... Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't get it. Well, again, some women get, you know, like a purse as a push present. (laughs) Some women get $5 million. I got you this tennis bracelet. (laughs) (laughs) But hold on. (laughs) Shaw can't get over it. I can't get over it because... It's never going to be able to move on. It would be one thing if it said, and again, this is just a blurb from some law firm's website, so who fucking knows, but if it said that for each kid, five million would go into a trust for the kid, that would make sense to me, but for each kid, whether they get divorced or not, she gets five million? Well, it's so that, weird. That's clearly to her benefit. The other ones, though, that are like X number of dollars per kid, you know, a lot of divorce cases talk about keeping the children in the same lifestyle right. they've been accustomed to. Sure. So definitely for Blue Ivy, five million would probably cover like two years. <laughs> Maybe. But also the other spouse in all of these scenarios that you've just mentioned also makes a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Well, hey, they're negotiating. I guess so. I need their lawyers. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, on a more serious note, because we live in Seattle, of course, we have to talk about Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos and their divorce. 
And what's interesting and relevant about the fact that we are in Washington state is that Washington is a community property state. So all of the assets of a marriage are divided equally unless there is a community property agreement that sets forth a different kind of division of assets or a prenuptial agreement. The Bezoses did not have a prenup, which was huge because he was worth around like $136 billion when they got divorced. So since we're in a community property state, then technically Mackenzie's lawyer could legally argue that she's entitled to half of that money. She was with him before he was rich. Mm -hmm. She helped him build Amazon. She worked there for a long time. She helped build the company. So I could see why they didn't have a prenup when they got married. She did not take half or pursue half of what he was worth. I think she's just a classy bitch. And she knew that she didn't need that much money. She ended up getting 25% of his Amazon stock, which still comes in at about $38 billion. And she has pledged to give half of it to charity. And she's already given some sizable, notable donations. So uh, she is true to her word. Okay, so speaking of Jeff Bezos and his divorce, did you see a year and a half ago, maybe, the articles that came out about the texts that he was sending to his girlfriend? Oh, I kind of remember that, yeah. Um, Oh, my God. I don't remember what they said, though. I'm going to read them to you right now, and I can do this because it's already public domain. I wonder how somebody got a hold of those. Actually, I believe that she sent them to her brother, who then, like, leaked them to the National Enquirer. Oh. I know. Stellar. Thanks, fam. Okay, what do you say to her? Okay, so (laughs) there's a few really good ones here. This is from page6.com, so you know it's true. Okay, right. I want to smell you. I want to breathe you in. I want to hold you tight. I want to kiss your lips. I love you. I am in love with you. Okay, so that one's not (laughs) terrible. It's not awful. This one cracks me up. (laughs) You know what I want? I want to get a little drunk with you tonight. Not falling down, just a little drunk. (laughs) I want to talk to you and plan with you. Listen and laugh. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Very. (laughs) Just a little drunk. Romance novel. Not falling down. (laughs) I kind of get it. Just the right amount of drunk. Sure. I mean, but do you need to say that? Like, that's not game, Jeff. Well, he doesn't need game. He's got $136 billion. Less less than that now. (laughs) Here you go. I basically, and then all caps, want to be with you. Then I want to fall asleep with you and wake up tomorrow and read the paper with you and have coffee with you. And then my favorite one. Mackenzie didn't go for half. You know, right? My favorite one just says, I love you, alive girl. What? Alive girl? Ew. Like, as opposed to... (laughs) What is it when you, like, have sex with corpses? Uh, Necrophilia? Is that what it's called? (laughs) Maybe it's necrophilia. Um, (laughs) I mean, he must not, because he loves that she's alive. (laughs) Oh, wait. Oh, it's better than that. I love you, alive girl. I will show you with my body and my lips and my eyes very soon. Oh. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Sorry, I just needed to relive that a little bit. Well, thank you. I don't think I actually knew all the verbiage in the text, so I appreciate that trip. The only other thing that I wanted to mention that sort of is in the same vein as like a prenuptial agreement is we have this other interesting term in Washington called a meretricious relationship. Is that like common law marriage? Sort of. It's basically like specific considerations that the court makes when two people are cohabitating and their relationship is marital in nature. 
but mm-hmm. not, they're not married on paper, Legally. which is really important in Washington because of being a community property state. I mean, right. if you were married to somebody and built a home together and built a life together and raised kids together and did all of those things, but, you but they didn't actually, put a ring on it. They never put a ring on mm-hmm. it. Is it fair for them to say, well, we never got married. And so there's no community property law that's applicable And basically, you're just like out on your ass, right? Right. The court will look at whether they've been continuously cohabitating, how long the relationship's been going on, the purpose of the relationship. Like, was it romantic? Mm -hmm. Was it just to raise a kid together? You know? Yeah. And then another big one is commingling of funds. Mm -hmm. So if you had one bank account that you shared and you guys paid everything out of that, I mean, that's different than if you lived together for five years but always kept your money completely separate. So that could be a deciding factor. So anyway, I've always thought that's an interesting term, a meretricious relationship. I just, I hear meretricious and I think delicious and my, I just keep thinking of um, (laughs) like breakfast cereal commercials. (laughs) Well, they might be having breakfast cereal together. I don't know. Just picture them unmarried eating cereal together. Probably at midnight because cereal is the best midnight snack. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. I had a lot of cereal when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. That was random. Anyway. My big takeaway from all of this is that you have to be willing to communicate what it is that you need, what it is that you're looking for, where you are with your partner or casual person or whatever it is. You have to be willing to talk about it, right? Yeah, I mean, I I hate to be so cynical. I think you can still do all of that and then it could fall apart. for sure. And does sometimes and maybe often. But ultimately, all of these things that we've talked about involve being willing to be open about what you have, what you want, who you are. Sure. You know, we're real close to a meretricious relationship. <laughs> yes, we don't meet all the thresholds, though. We no. do. We don't cohabitate. And I mean, you're here a lot <laughs> and I'm there a lot. But, you know, and we don't. Well, we don't often commingle funds unless I mean you I know, buy you dinner and then you buy me dinner. Right. Okay. Well, I'm but not like, sure that the court would feel that that meets the threshold. We don't have bank accounts together. Right. So. Right. Okay, so, well, I don't think we're quite in a meretricious relationship. But okay. Well, we're then, undefinable. Undefinable. Well, <laughs> that is my prosecco theory. We are undefinable. I like it a lot. <laughs> We haven't had a Prosecco theory for a while. I know. I thought I would throw it out there I today. like it. Okay. On that note, we should probably wrap it so I can go um, try to figure out who Beyonce's lawyer is for the next time I get married. <laughs> You've already planned your, like, third divorce, so let's... You Shooting know. high. Yeah. Five million a kid. No, there's not going <laughs> to no be more kids. anymore. Mm-mm. No more kids. You're not allowed. Yeah, I can't. I can't count on that payout, but... No. I'll, I'll think of something. You're very resourceful. For every affair, you must buy me 300 <laughs> bottles of Prosecco. <laughs> Do I get to partake? Of course. Okay, I We're in a friend-tricious relationship. There it is. It's coined a new word. Okay, so if you'd like to be in a friend-tricious relationship with us. <laughs> That's kind of hard to say. A friend-tricious relationship. Friend-tricious Okay. I should definitely have a little more wine. Um, Anywho, what I was going to say is all the stuff you love. Here we go. But I promise I won't be like this in the sing song. Last time you gave me a beat. It's an improvement. I liked the beat. (laughs) But 
you guys, we are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We are at Prosecco Theory on all of those things. You can check us out at ProseccoTheory.com and email us at cheers at ProseccoTheory.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right. Are we done with that part? Okay, fine. Yay. (laughs) Oh, wait. Hold on. Rate, review, subscribe. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Get out of here. Thank you.